0: Merry Christmas and welcome into this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it.
1: Well, good morning, freedom. The Christmas season is finally here, and uh, there's a lot of evidence of that because there's cookies being made, Hallmark movies are being watched, Christmas parties are happening, and all the wonderful treats of the holiday season—the tinsel, the trees, the treats. Did I mention treats? They're they're an amazing part of the holiday season. And and Christmas is a beautiful time. But I have an idea. (laughs) I think Christmas should be about Christ. I have this crazy idea that the heart of Christmas should be at the heart of God. This idea that somehow what we're doing and why we're gathering here should be centered around the Christ. Yes, I get it. The Hallmark movies are touching. The Christmas cookies are delicious. But it's about the Christ. So what made me think about this series, and as we begin to unfold this series, there were two women who were having lunch in a very nice, elegant restaurant, and one person walked in, and a mutual of both of the ladies, and said, hey ladies, what are you doing here? And uh, one lady replied, we're celebrating the birth of my baby. Fantastic, where's the baby? Oh, the mother said, well, you didn't think I'd bring him, did you? It would be terribly inconvenient. And that story kind of stuck out to me where I said to myself, what a picture of Christmas sometimes, isn't it? That we celebrate something without even bringing him into the picture. What a picture of the way the world sometimes treats Jesus during Christmas. During this series, The Heart of Christmas, my desire is that you would get four solid things in your heart. And here it is. You ready? That you would have a breath of hope, a breath of peace, a breath of joy, and a breath of love. That you would see the heart of God in all of these things. And there's nothing in this world that thrills my heart more than people seeing the heart of what we're talking about. Now, we just, we just realized that coming out of this last series, that God has invited us to the table. And the heart of that table is the heart of God to come to redemption. But I dare say that this morning we will discover the hope that comes to us through Jesus Christ himself. I am there. And I am here and I am anywhere I am because he has gone before me. There's no place that I've ever been to that has brought me joy that God wasn't at the front of that. There is no feeling I've ever had that that brought me happiness, true inner happiness and joy that Christ was not the center of. Now listen, there's a lot of times that we lack hope. Yes? How many have ever lacked hope in your life? You hit a place in your life where you said, there's no way that could happen with me. There's no way that I can overcome this area of my life. There's no way that I can get over that. Well, I want to tell you something. Hopelessness is a lie from the enemy that will cause you to stay where you are instead of believing God for where you should be. Hopelessness is a tool of the enemy to keep you back from the promises instead of hoping for greater things. As Alexander the Great was setting out on his conquest of Asia, I remember hearing the story how he inquired the finances of his followers. He started to try to find out and ensure that they would be financially well taken care of and not crippled because of them going out to conquer Asia in the war that he was setting. And where he had thus then begin to give uh, all his different people a certain amount to make sure that their, 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 all their finances were covered while they were fighting. And so one, there was one point where he was asked by one of his generals, General Perticus, and he asked Alexander what he had reserved for himself. So he had here, uh, Alexander had been providing for all his, all his people, and they turned around. General Perticus turned to Alexander and said, now what have you clinged to? What do you have? And he said, Hope. Hope. Answered Alexander. In that case, said Perdiccas, we who share in your labors will also take part in your hopes. They then refused the estate that Alexander the Great had offered them, that he had allotted them to settle and take care of them. Why? Because they, they felt like hope was more important than finances. If I knew everything was okay there, I wouldn't fight as hard. I wouldn't put everything on the line as much because I know everything is taken care of back there. They knew that they would have to win in order to be taken care of. And so that drove them to another level. Can I tell you something? When you serve Jesus Christ all in, I want you to know something. That hope of knowing that when we fight, we fight from victory. Hello? And there is a Christ that is within us that desires for us to cling to hope. Like in this story. Hope will drive us to do and believe for greater things. Far greater than any man can conceive. Hope does that. It helps us to believe. We can learn a lot about having hope by watching the way children embrace Christmas. Hello? I watched... How they create Christmas lists. We tell the kids every year. Now, in order for you to get something that you're really excited about, we need to know what that looks like. So go ahead and make your Christmas list. And I love watching what unfolds. Some of them are like, tell me what I like. Because they just want to keep adding to the list. And we can't tell you what you like. This is a real true story. Tell me what I like, Dad. Tell me what I want. No, wait, wait, what do you mean, what do you want? You tell me. Write it down on the list. See what may happen. You never know that clinging to hope. Writing that list out. Can I tell you something? It's one of my favorite things to look at sometimes. <laughs> There's the stuff that's on there. I'm like, what is going on? But it's joy, it's hope. It's hope that I may get something under the tree that I wrote down. It make me want to make a list. I just sent screenshots to my wife. Christmas idea number 49. Ask her if that's true. She'll tell you. I sent one this morning, by the way. Did you get that one? Yeah, okay, okay. It's a good one, I think, really think it's. Okay, back to the story. The true reason of why we have hope is because Christ is that hope. When all was fail and all was lost, Christmas came. Allowed Christ a chance to give us the hope we need. See, his arrival on earth was fulfillment of prophecy spoken hundreds of years prior. Did you know that? Did you know that Christ's coming when and how he did was a series of, of fulfillments of prophecy? Amen. Over and over again, prophetically, Jesus was being uh, portrayed in the Old Testament, concealed in the Old Testament, revealed in the New. And Isaiah chapter 9, for those of you who have the their Bibles with you here, If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. Go ahead and turn there. I'll give you a second. For those of you looking for it, it's probably square in the middle somewhere of your Bible. It's located just after Psalms and Proverbs, if that helps you. So we look at Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2, and here's how it begins Uh, For those of you that could see it on your screen, turn. you can look there or you can look on your Bible. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of the Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood, we will be destined, will be destined for burning, will be fueled for the fire. For unto us a child is born. Now, does it sound familiar? Some of you are like, there's a lot of things burning. How is this Christmas? (laughs) Stay with it. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over the kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now let me give you a backdrop here for this text. Because you need to understand that Isaiah's writings happened, these writings happened around 740 B.C. Before Christ, right? And so that was uh, it was a sign of poor leadership. The world, as they understood it, was going... Going through a series of unfortunate happenings because they had a series of ungodly kings. Ungodly kings will often bring ungodly times upon the people. Ungodly leadership will often bring ungodly things upon a nation. And Uzziah, Uzziah rather, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. They all had their, uh, their corrupt portions of their lives now unfolding upon the nation. And they were corrupt as they led the people far from God. And it was a very dark time. And here's Isaiah beginning to try to shed some, hello, light on the situation. And that light was the light of man, Jesus Christ. And Isaiah wrote these words knowing that God would have to intervene. He would have to step in to bring Israel back to himself. How many know that God never saw Israel run away and say, well, good riddance. He always called them back. Yes, he was frustrated with them. Have you ever read a passage of scripture where God was frustrated with man? Israel? Some of you are like, and me. God has been frustrated with all of us at one point in time. Absolutely. That doesn't never mean that you are not his. That never means that you are far from his love. It never means that he didn't care for you. He wanted to bring Israel back. And so Isaiah began to prophesy. Look at me. I need you to know something. When you begin to Understand that prophecy is God's blessing. Oftentimes, you need to prophetically speak into your family's life. It's not just a prophet that comes. How many know that you can prophesy without being a prophet? There's, sometimes God will put something on your heart and your life. You don't even you don't want to call yourself a prophet. I get that. Because if you're going to call yourself that, you better operate in it. And usually, those that call themselves... Oh, I don't say usually... Don't be careful how I say that. There are, there, are, there are times that people will call themselves a prophet, but they just like to be the center of attention. Oftentimes, the ones that are not prophets, excuse me, the ones that are prophets, will then be labeled by people because they've seen the fruit of their lives. The fruit, the proof is in the prophecy and was it fulfilled. So you can, you can call yourself whatever you want. But what, what is it that's flowing out of your life? That, my friend, is confirmation. So here's Isaiah prophesying, and he began to say two major things in this passage. Watch this. Two major passage, uh, statements were made in this passage, and it's this. The first one is the acknowledgement of brokenness. He's, he began to acknowledge that you are broken, Israel. You are broken. You need a savior. You need a God to step in. You have divisions among you. You have darkness that you're hiding instead of uncovering. Now, it's no mystery why God gave you that word to share with us. Sherry, there's no mystery there. You knew nothing about what I was speaking here and I knew nothing about that story. But when you open up the, sh- when you open up the shades and light comes in, Guess what? What was not seen is now seen. Are you okay with that? If you're not, then there's something bigger than God in your life. Did you hear that? If, you, if, God asks you, if God asks you to open up and you're afraid to open up, then something's bigger than God in your life. And that, my friends, is called an idol. That, my friends, is called an idol. So the first is an acknowledgement of the brokenness and darkness surrounded Israel due to sin and corruption. The second one is simply this. The second is the hope of an eternal light. Everybody say light. Light. Through the birth of of a child who would one day make all things right. The light makes you right. That's in essence what that means. The light makes you right. It begins to unfold some things. And the Jewish people in the Old Testament needed these words. Matthew begins to uncover this. The book of Matthew reminds us of Isaiah when he says this. The gospel writer was making this connection between Isaiah and prophetically written in Bethlehem when he said this, Matthew 1. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. What prophet was that? What is it? Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. How much more with us is it is God than walking among us, pointing right to Christ, pointing right to Jesus, God with us. What a beautiful idea that God would send the Savior to live and be with us. It was a young Jewish man by the name of Joseph who was presented with a very difficult, possibly the most difficult thing a man could deal with. The woman he loves, the woman he's about to marry, now is pregnant and says, I didn't do anything wrong. Now he's engaged to this woman and what is he to do? She was already pregnant. Now, Joseph planned to call the wedding off and everything, but God stepped in and said, no, don't do that. I have a task that seems so big to so many people that I've entrusted you with this. You're going to raise the son of God, so don't put her away. Love her, marry her. And I'll give you all the rest of the details later. How many know that parenting doesn't come with a great instruction manual? Right? You can read all the books and read all the podcasts. Listen, listen to all the podcasts. But there's guaranteed going to be some stuff that you're like, nobody taught me this. Nobody told me how to do this part. And that's okay. That's why we need to rely on the Holy Spirit sometimes there too, Right? All these all these events took place. And God says, I have a plan. I have a plan. Did you know that God had a plan before the enemy had a plot? Did you know that? That like God had a plan before the enemy had a plot. So here's a few points I'm going to share with you on this wonderful start of this Christmas series, The Heart of Christmas. Everybody do this with me. Say, The Heart of Christmas. Heart of Christmas. Some of you got into it. Some of you said, I'm not doing that. I just want to see who's committed. I'll do it again at the end of the service to give you a chance to redeem yourself because most of you didn't do it. We'll try again. Point number one, here it is. The presence of hope crushes darkness. The presence of hope crushes darkness. Why am I saying this? i tell you exactly why. Because people who are hopeless walk around with no purpose, And they walk around in darkness hoping to have something to cling to. But you're hopeless, so you're searching for hope. And what happens is those that are searching for hope try to find it. And when they don't find it, they say, you know what? I'll do it myself. I'll handle it myself. And for those that don't know Jesus, sometimes they decide their life is not worth living. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This morning. That there are times that those who are walking around hopeless, that hope is what they that is what is needed to crush that darkness in their lives. So what they need is hope. The center of the entire Christmas story is squarely on the shoulders of Jesus. The world is dark and corrupt, full of sin. Yes. But there is a light. There is a light that shines bright. And his name is Jesus. He is the person of hope. He is the one that gives hope. Now there's war and disease and conflict and oppression and this and that and the other. And I tell you that all because you already know this. But there is an ushering of light that comes when you keep Christ at the center of your life. Can I encourage you parents? Can I encourage you, students? Can I encourage you, little ones, to make it about Jesus this holiday. Make it about Christ. I challenge you to think outside of yourself. A few weeks ago, I was so blessed to be able to be a part of an opportunity here locally where we, were, um, uh, we, we canceled our uh, regular Wednesday night activities, and you know what we did? We went and we packed boxes so that people will have a Thanksgiving dinner. How exciting was that to get a chance to partner together with another or somebody else? And, And you know why? Because hope crushes darkness. And that's the practical way that we can change lives. And so what we did was inject hope in people's lives. See, hope is not a result of the absence of conflict. You realize that? Hope is not the absence of conflict. Hope is a result of the presence of God in your life. That's point number one. I need you to understand. Hope crushes darkness. Number two, God's presence has come to give us hope. Did you know that Christ came to give you hope? He says, I know you're hopeless, but just wait. Just, I got an idea. I'm going to come and I'm going to just bring hope everywhere I go. I'm going to feed people that are hungry. I'm going to heal people that are are diseased. And I'm going to sit by a well. And talk to people that nobody wants to talk to. And I'm going to ask a random lady for a cup of water. And I'm going to change her life. And she's going to become an evangelist for me. Because the very woman that was trying to run from everybody was now running to everybody. And telling them what Jesus had done for her. That's what hope does. Hope gives you the opportunity you need to share life and light with others. Are you getting me today? That's what hope does. It births reason. It births purpose. And the hard part about hope is that it often takes longer than we want to to hear it, receive it, and unfortunately give it. Like it or not, hope requires patience. How many like patience? I don't see a lot of hands right now. How many have really good patience? Not even the doctors are raising their hand. Wrong patience. How many of you struggle with waiting? Now we're getting revival here. Now there's revival. Y'all turn Pentecostal all of a sudden. Did you see that across the room? Got all Pentecostal on me. Listen, faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. Faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. And hope, hope is God-given. Faith is God-given. And he's given us all a measure of faith. Thereby, he's given us a measure of hope. I found something interesting. Now, I, in no stretch of the imagination do I know much about plants or things of that nature. But I found this fascinating. A common plant that grows in the southwest desert of the United States. Um, it's called the Agave Americana. The Agave, Agave Americana. Now, it's also known as the century plant. And it thrives in a rocky, dry, mountainous desert. And the locations that it grows are dry and often broken land. But it leaves grow about to be a a foot wide or so. And this plant can reach 12 feet in diameter. And it grows about six feet tall. Perhaps the most unusual trait is its reproduction cycle. For 20 to 30 years, this plant remains the same height and puts out no flowers. But suddenly and without warning, a new bud will sprout and in resembling the tree trunk size, an asparagus spear will rise up into the sky at the rate of seven inches per day. Seven inches per day until it reaches 20 to 40 feet. Now, Need I remind you that it lay dormant for 20 to 30 years before it did this. But when it culminates with the crown of several clumps of yellow blossoms that last last for about three weeks, similar to the century plant, some of the greatest answers to hope lies in the waiting. It's the patience to watch the beauty unfold. You wouldn't have seen it if you waited around five years, 10 years, 15 years. You wouldn't see it. But by year 20, something happens within the reproduction cycle of this, this plant or tree at some point. What I want to tell you is this. Your promise may look dormant, For quite some time, but I want to tell you, the promise is coming. Some of you need to take that in for a moment. The promise is coming. Isaiah saw it one day in the future. It would come one day. He didn't know what he was. He knew what he was prophesying, but he didn't know how it looked. Some of you have received promises, but you don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it looks like fleshed out. You don't know. And that's okay. Look at me. That's okay. It's okay that you don't know all the details. It's okay that you don't know exactly how it's going to go. That's okay. But no, you've got to hang around to see it. You've got to hang around long enough to see it because Jesus is the very presence of God on earth and he offers forgiveness and life but some of you haven't hung around long enough to see that promise unfold Romans tells us this Romans fifteen four. the NIV translation reads for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and that encouragement that they provide we might have say it with me now hope all these things endure it stand firm stick-to-itiveness hang in there just a little longer how long do I need to do this for just a little longer listen Paul said everything that he had been written in the past, all of the prophecy and the fulfillment is meant to teach us how to hold on to faith and how to hold on to God and that he will answer prayers. How many believe that God answers prayers? Now, let me ask you this question. With the other hand, how many believe that God will answer your prayers? That's fantastic. Because sometimes we, we tend to believe God to answer other people's prayers quicker than we believe that God will answer ours. Now, what I found to be interesting was there were a lot more hands the second time I asked than the first time. Which is absolutely encouraging. Because we're often quicker to believe God to bless somebody else than God is going to bless me. Because we're so caught up in our emotions and our experiences that we're like, man, the track record and this, that, and the other. We could make a lot of excuses why God hasn't moved in us. I just, maybe I wasn't ready to receive it. Maybe I wasn't. Listen, God doesn't need a PR person. He doesn't need a human resources representative. Like he is able to defend his own word. And he is able to come through like he said he would. So let me ask you this thing as I move to my third point. Hope. How important is it to you to have hope? Because hope is at the center of Christmas. Hope is at the heart of God. He hopes that you would take him at his word. Some people are like, that makes God sound vulnerable. No, no. It makes him sound loving, like the loving God he is. Did you know that God is loving like that? He hopes that you would take him up at his word. He hopes that you would believe him for great things. He really, really does. And hope is at the heart of Christmas. And though there are many distractions during the Christmas season, this message is a reminder that hope is offered through everything that is found in the manger. And that everything is Jesus. How many believe Jesus is everything? Hear me. As I begin to uh, wrap this with the story of the media team, just play something lightly, real lightly in the background. And uh, listen to this closely. Dr. James Dobson. How many of you have heard of Dr. James Dobson? Dr. James Dobson relates a story of uh, (laughs) an elderly woman named Stella Thornholt. Who was struggling with her first Christmas alone her husband had died a few months prior due to cancer and several days before Christmas she was almost snowed in by a brutal weather storm she ter- she was terribly alone and so much she had decided to do had to now be canceled or put in the back burner she was gonna decorate for Christmas but she was contemplating on not even doing that because she felt so alone Late one afternoon, the doorbell rang and there was a delivery boy standing there with a box. Upon opening the door, the delivery boy said, Mrs. Thor- uh Thornhope, would you sign here? She said, come in, boy. The boy came in and she signed it. She signed the paper and said, what's in the box? The young man laughed and opened up the flap and inside was a little golden Labrador retriever. The delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old and completely housebroken. The young puppy began to wiggle in happiness and being released from captivity. She was puzzled and she asked, who sent this? Miss Thornhope asked. The young man set uh, the animal down and handed her an envelope and said, it's all explained here in this envelope, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift for you. The young man then handed her a book, "How to Care for Your Golden Labradoodle," or Lab- Labrador, rather, Retriever. In desperation, she asked again, "Who sent me this? Who gave me this?" And the young man turned to her and said, "Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas." She opened the letter from her husband, and he had written it three weeks prior to his death and left it with the kettle owners the kettle owners rather the letter was full of love and encouragement and he vowed that he'd be waiting for her one day and he longed for the day that she began, She would join him as she wiped away the tears she put the letter down and remembered the puppy at her feet she picked up this golden fur ball and held, it her, held that puppy to her neck as tears streamed from her eyes down her neck she looked out the window at the lights that were in the neighbor's house she heard from a far distance the radio in the kitchen joy to the world the Lord has come suddenly Stella felt the most amazing feeling of hope washing over her her heart felt joy and wonder greater than the grief and loneliness that had struck her so hard these last few days she wiped away her tears she picked up the dog again and said little fella it's just you and me but you know what I have a box downstairs in the basement that I bet you'd really love it has a Christmas tree in it let's get some decorations and lights she said and there's a manger scene too let's go get it our God is always right on time He knows exactly what we need and he can be trusted to unveil hope when we need it the most. Sometimes we need that hope to push back darkness in our lives. he, He has to be trusted to reveal that. To reveal the Christ in order to unpack and unfold his promises in our life. And listen, There's darkness in your life that doesn't belong there and you know it. Everyone has it. Dark corners of their heart that now needs the light of Christ. And every minute and every miracle and every time is a reminder we need Jesus. The hope of our salvation. My prayer is that may we have the eyes and the grace that Jesus had with us, with others. And when you receive God's hope you receive God's grace. I'm going to ask you here today this question. When darkness overwhelms you, what do you turn to? When darkness tries to overpower you, where do you get your source? What is it that you're turning to? Because I'm here to tell you that there is hope in our darkness. And you say, well, Pastor Tony, I don't have darkness. I know Jesus as my Savior. You can know Jesus as Savior for many, many years and still have dark spots in your life. But right on time, God delivers the hope you need at the doorstep. So maybe, just maybe, in this room, as everyone bows their head all the way across this room and the worship team comes, know this today. That there is a hope and he's not a dying hope my friends he's a living hope a hope that will give you more than you ever asked and take you further than you've ever thought you could go because the hope that is available to all of those who really really desire it so as we look as we unfold this entire series this morning as we look at this Just on part one of this series. Hope is at the heart. Let me ask you this question. What is at the heart of your life right now? It's very easy to look upon the things of this world. As a way to just ignore. Christ has an answer for you. And if you walked in here hopeless, I want you to know there's hope in Christ. So I'm going to make this real simple. This call is real simple this morning. If you desire to have more hope in your life for whatever area it is, if you want more hope in your finances, in your relationship, in your marriage, if you want more hope in any area of your life, if that's you, I challenge you right now to stand to your feet and say, that's me. I need more hope. Come on, there's a bunch of you already. Come on, you're not the only one. Hope is available. Do you want it? Stand to your feet if you're like, you know, I need more hope in my life. I simply ask you this. If you're willing to step out of where you are and meet me here at the altar, I want to pray hope upon your life. Would you allow me that privilege of speaking and praying over you right now for hope? If you're standing or even if you decided not to and you were like, I don't know if I should, there's still a chance. If you're standing or want to come and receive a prayer of hope in your life, come meet me at the altar right now. Come on, don't wait another moment. Come as close as you can. And just line up. You could stand, sit, or kneel. It does not matter. But I want to pray hope upon your life right now. Because there's some of you that have been feeling so hopeless, so bound, so concerned, so worried that somehow God didn't hear your prayer. Somehow you don't know how you're going to get through this season of your life. Can I tell you something? He's already mapped out a way for you. You don't have to find it. He will unfold it right in front of you. But we have to trust him. Are you willing to pray a prayer with me today as I pray over you? Are you willing to pray for yourself, Lord, build my life on the hope of Jesus Christ? Yes? If you're at your seat, there's still a chance to come. There's still a chance to come from the youngest to the oldest. Come and join us at this altar. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every person. I pray right now for hope to not be cast to the side like, God, you remembered everybody else but me, and it's okay. I'm not important. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus, and I pray hope upon every person. At the sound of my voice, I pray you give them hope, promise, and purpose. I pray you give them a sense of fulfillment that only comes from knowing you. Lord Jesus, build our lives. Lord, we come to you in need of hope. We ask that the light of Jesus' life would shine. Into our lives and lift up our heads. We offer you the areas of our lives where we need your presence. We trust you today with our very lives and we look forward to seeing how you will come through because we believe you will. Thank you for the hope that can only come from you. Thank you for showing us the heart of Christmas. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace in our lives and may our focus be what is at the heart the father and that's the redemption story found in Jesus. We ask you build our life today. In Jesus name, just lift up your hands one time and begin to say God build my life. Build my Worthy life.
2: Worthy of every soul
1: ever see. Come on, just lift up your hands. Worthy of all the praise. all over this place. Give him hope. Say, Lord, you are my hope, Lord. You are my strength. You are my source.
2: Whoa hey.
0: the door, that image that Sherry had and worship before. Open it up and let the King of glory in. And I want to bind right now the spirits of unbelief, the spirits of doubt, the spirits of discouragement, depression, that are keeping you from getting up and opening that door and that window. I bind you now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you deal with that root in it's time. But let hope come Lift up your gates. Lift up your doors. Lift up your windows. Let the King of glory in. Let the King of glory in. Let him in. Let him in. Don't be afraid. Just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Let your eyes see Jesus. Let him take care of the darkness. You just look at Jesus. Let the King of glory in. Let the King of glory in. Jesus we look to you Jesus take the burdens Jesus take the fear Jesus take the pain Jesus take the
1: told the church in Rome Romans 15, 13 this and I leave this as a verse for you to hold on to today and every day this week in the series. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It is the desire of God That you abound in hope. That you lay in a bed of hope and trust that always he is the author and finisher of your faith. Lay in that hope. It's not not this distant thing. Hope is available to you. And hope is at the heart of God. So Paul said it. He affirmed the church in Rome. And I do the same with every single last one of you. May his hope fill your home and your lives with hope. May the Lord fill it with joy, peace, and love, which we'll be talking about weeks to come, the heart of this Christmas season. Walk in hope. May God bless you. And I hope hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., where our many of our children will be they will be putting it on tonight at six o'clock tonight you don't want to miss it i got a chance to get i got a glimpse of it a few times trust me you want to be here it's good uh, there's a camel involved a lot of things are happening a lot of moving parts six o'clock tonight don't show up 601 we're gonna lock the doors get at 601 but be here six o'clock tonight. God bless you guys and have a great day may love may you love God, love people, change the world.